And now we move into a world of both history and imagination, but also of celebration in our pageant. Today, with the help of our pageant, we will journey through the centuries from ancient times to Christmas 2018. As we look at Christmas through the centuries, one common thread seems to come through, a concern that often with our preparation for different celebrations, the true meaning and significance of Christ's coming to earth is missed. We hope that as we travel through the years, we will think of our own homes and celebrations and perhaps gain some new ideas to make this Christmas a deeply meaningful time for us. On the screen, there's a timeline to help us visualize our travels. So let's begin. We begin almost six centuries before Jesus was born in the time of the prophet Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah had warned people, um, had warned the people of Judah that the city of Jerusalem would fall to the Babylonians and the temple would be destroyed. The people did not like this prophet and his message of gloom and doom, so they put him in prison. But eventually what Jeremiah had prophesied came true, as, and as the city was being attacked, Jeremiah had a new prophecy for the people, a prophecy of hope and a promise of a new beginning. Let's listen as Jeremiah proclaims God's message. I'll be reading Jeremiah 33, verses 14 to 16. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. And so the years passed. The people waited and longed for the Messiah, God's anointed one, who would come to establish the way of peace and love. The time is now 4 BCE. In the 6th century, a monk named Denise the Little began the practice of dating events in history from the year of Christ's birth, so dates were recorded as B.C., before Christ, and A.D., or Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord, signifying dates after the death and resurrection of Jesus. We followed Denise the Little's way of numbering years to this day. Unfortunately, he made an error, so the reign of Herod the Great was four years off, so Jesus' birth is recorded in the year 4 B.C. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him, in, wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there with the angel was a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem 
and see this thing that is taking place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what all had been known, sorry, um, what had all been told them about this child. And all who had heard about it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as had just been told them. And now is the year 129. The Bishop of Rome announced that on the holy night of the nativity of our Lord and Savior, all shall solemnly sing the angel's hymn, which is known to most of us as the hymn, Angels We Have Heard on High. This became the first Christmas carol of the church. Let's join in that singing of the angel's hymn. A little over 300 years after the birth of Jesus, a baby was born in Asia Minor named Nicholas. He was the only child of wealthy Christian parents, and this devout mother carefully taught him the scriptures. While he was still very young, both parents died in an ed epidemic, and he dedicated his life to God's service. He was elected Bishop of Myra at the age 23. During the reign of Emperor Diocletian, he was in prison like many other Christians. When Constantine became emperor, Nicholas was freed. He cared for the poor, especially children. There are many stories about Nicholas's generosity, but this is perhaps the most famous. Now I'll read to you the story of St. Nicholas. A long time ago, in the fourth century, there lived a bishop named Nicholas. Everyone loved Bishop Nicholas. He was a very nice man, and some people said he was able to perform miracles. Nicholas had seen what sad times some of the poor people had because he had money left him by wealthy parents. Nicholas often went out in disguise and distributed presents to the poor, especially to children. Bishop Nicholas died on December 6th in the year 341. He has been known as Saint Nicholas because of all the generous deeds and legends say that Saint Nicholas' spirit comes back on Christmas. Eve and gives presents to children. Today he is sometimes called by another name. Do you know what it is? In England he is called Father Christmas. In Holland he is called Sinterklaas. And instead of Bishop's robe and hat, he wears a warm red suit and boots for winter. Yes, we know him as Santa Claus and we celebrate the kindness of generosity that Saint Nicholas showed people as a follower of Jesus by remembering him through the stories we tell of Santa Claus each year at Christmas. Now let us move ahead in time to about the year 1100. A carol that comes to us from this era is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Let's sing. Let's move now to about the year 1224. In Italy at this time, there lived a monk called St. Francis. This man had a special love for all animals and people. He was troubled by many things that he saw in the world around him. One year at Christmas time, he was especially sad to see the way people were acting. He felt they had completely lost the true meaning of Christmas. How could he remind them of the birth of Jesus? The church services were in Latin, which many of the townspeople didn't understand, so that wouldn't help. Then the monk had an idea. In the town square in front of the church, he set up a manger surrounded by a number of farm animals. He added figures to represent Mary and Joseph. Without words, he was able to remind the people of the good news of Christmas. This tradition of having a manger, scene, or creche spread to many countries around the world. Now let's jump ahead about 100 years the later Middle Ages. At this time in France, 
The art of making stained glass windows was at its best. In the Middle Ages, few people could read, but when they looked at the picture book windows of their churches or cathedrals, they learned about the stories found in the Bible. These beautiful windows became the Bible for the common people for several countries. The year is now 1641. We are on the shoreline of Georgian Bay, part of the Great Lake of Canada. Here, Father de Brebeuf, a Jesuit missionary, had come to work among the Huron Indians. As Christmas approached, he decided to write the Christmas story in terms that related to Native culture. He spoke of Jesus as the Great Spirit and the wise men as the Three Chiefs. The shepherds became Indian hunters. His carol was probably the first sung in 1641. Known as the Huron Carol, this was the first Canadian Christmas carol and probably the first of the New World. Listen now as we sing the Huron Carol. In England, Christmas became increasingly the great festival of the year from the 11th century to the 17th century, with the observance lasting from Christmas Eve to the 12th night. But the festivities of these celebrations seemed to have little to do with the real meaning of Christmas and so were criticized by the Puritans. They felt these festivities which consisted of dancing, singing, feasting, and masquerading with gestures and minstrels, and including the traditional boarhead feast, had completely eclipsed the true meaning of Christmas. So when the Puritans had come to power in the English Parliament, they passed a law in 1644, forbidding Christmas celebrations. I wonder what the Puritans would think of our preparations and plans. Have you ever wondered how our tradition of White Gift Sunday started? Well, it all became, began back in 1903 in a Methodist church in Painesville, Ohio. Every year at the Sunday school Christmas party, there was a gift exchange. The well-off give and receive expensive presents, and the others get little gifts. The children, especially the ones who received little gifts, did not enjoy the gift exchange. We all know that it's not the gift that is, that is important, but when you see that someone else has received something much better than you, there's bound to be disappointment. The minister's wife did not think this gift exchange was a good way to celebrate Christmas. She felt that Christmas should show their love to everyone, but what could have been done instead? She drew inspiration from a story about the famous 13th century king of Cathay, the mighty Kublai Khan. He, unlike many kings of his time, was just generous and wise. He treated the rich and the poor alike and was especially tender to children. His subjects decided to hold a great birthday party in celebration to honor their king. This itself was not new, but the way they did it was original and made the king glad. Just as he showed no favorites to his kingly rule, so they showed no difference in their gifts, for all the gifts looked the same and were wrapped in white. The people brought their white gifts for the king, while one may have only been able to bring a handful of rice and another a beautiful ivory or piece of jewels, the king did not value one more highly than another, because they all bore the same degree of devotion and love. And in a white book, people who did not have materials or gifts to bring could offer their time or talent to serve the king by entering their names. The minister's wife liked this idea. Everyone gave the king a gift, but they wrapped their fits in white so all gifts looked equal. And the most important thing had a chance to throw shoe, the love and devotion of the giver, and not the value of the gift. She suggested that for their next Sunday school Christmas party, they could also wrap their gifts in white paper, and in the true spirit of Christmas, they could bring their gifts to Jesus 
and then send them to people who needed them more. And so in that little church in Ohio in 1904, that suggestion that the minister and his wife was put into practice, and from that small beginning, many, full, many beautiful white gift services have grown. And so we move forward towards the present moment. In recent years, the emphasis has been put on preparing ourselves throughout Advent to celebrate. Not a cute baby in a manger, but Emmanuel, God is with us. Recently written, Christmas carols recall not just the baby born, but the man who taught us and healed and died and rose from death. They remind us that it is because of Easter that questions about Jesus' birth were even asked. They remind us that our celebrations of his birth must also contain a commitment to his way of self-giving love. Let's join together in singing one of those modern carols of recommitment. As we sing, let us present our morning offerings and our white gifts. Lord Jesus, let us remember that you were born into this world on Christmas Day. Help us to remember that you were born in a stable and cradle in a manger. So keep us from conveying wealth and comfort. Help us to remember that there was no room for you in the end and grant that our lives may never become so crowded that there is no room in them for you. Help us to remember that you came to show the world's God love and grant our lives that you may never become so comfortable comfortable and satisfied that we will fail and to show love and concern for our neighbors in need. As our white gifts continue to come in, let's uh, express our appreciation for everyone who participated in this year's pageant and uh, taught us a great deal about our observances of Christmas and our traditions. So thank you all so much, everyone, for all the work that went into it. <laughs> 